Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank. Let's get cracking. So, just a quick one before we get into what I'm actually going to talk about for today's episode then. Um, The way the podcast has been evolving, we've kind of stumbled across a few different categories of episode really. And they're quite different categories. So, what I've decided to do is basically have more factual episodes which is what we're going to be going into for today and the factual episodes are going to be more about you know hardcore actual investigations into real cases getting to the bottom of things actual facts not so much speculating and actually really trying to dig into what's going on with this thing which i guess is the core of kind of what i'm actually trying to achieve in the ufo topic and then those episodes are going to have a little factual in brackets on the end so if you're the type of person who's more interested in the factual side of things obviously you'll be able to see those episodes and click on them and the other uh, the other category that's uh, going to carry on is going to be the more speculative side of things actually the last episode that i did i think is the most listened to podcast episode that i've ever done funnily enough um, and that was the one which is all about speculative things and me just kind of really delving into some kind of theories and and to just you know letting my imagination go crazy and and contemplating possibilities of what ufos actually could be and you know where is humans technology going as as we evolve and things like that and i really enjoy doing that one there's actually a part two going to be coming up probably next week um for next week's episode um so those ones are going to continue as well and they're going to have a little speculative in brackets on the end of the uh, episode description uh, and the the third type as well is going to be the discussions the the interviews uh, really um which i'm going to continue with as well and again when i first started this podcast i know i've said this before but it, it was just almost by accident really you know um i'm really immersed in the ufo topic really fascinating and i have been now for the last few years and i'm constantly just looking for new podcasts to listen to and new documentaries and things and um, one day i just decided to crack on with making my own podcast and um you know i didn't really plan it too much and never really thought about having guests on if i'm honest it was more just me rambling i never actually thought anybody would listen but obviously some people do which is amazing um so I never really thought about having guests on and it was actually Andy from that UFO podcast um, who said to me, you know, I'd love to be your first guest and I was like, wow, yeah, uh, guests. I hadn't really thought about that. So <laughs> I had to pretty pretty rapidly get my head around how to actually do guests on a podcast and things and uh, obviously since then I've had some fantastic guests on and it's been really fun. So those ones are going to continue as well. So like I say, just to recap there, we're going to have the factual ones with factual on the end of the description of the episode, the speculative ones with speculative on the end and the, the interview slash discussions, whatever you want to call them, and they're going to continue as well. And I really like doing all three of those um, different categories. Maybe a fourth category will evolve, who knows, but for the moment, those are going to be the ones. So it may be that you like listening to all three of those categories, or it may be that you prefer the speculative ones, you're not so bothered about the factual stuff, but are, you know, 
know, or vice versa. So now you'll be able to see at a glance what the episode's going to be like, and then you can choose whether or not to to get into it. So, with all of that said, then uh, let's get into what we're actually going to be talking about today. So today is obviously a factual one, and we're going to be talking about what is the extent of the UFO cover up. To to put it, you know, quite simply. So. This is something that I've been trying to wrap my head around uh, for a while now. So it's not, you know, I think I think for me personally, the the question has evolved beyond, you know, are UFOs real or something? You know, uh, there are a lot of people out there in the public who, who don't even think about this stuff, you know. And if you said to them, um, you know, some somebody like that, if you said, "Well, oh, what do you think about UFOs?" They'd be like, "Oh, yeah," kind of like on the fence as to whether it's even a real thing. You know, it's it's so it's been mentioned in film so much. There's so much stigma still there. But for me personally, having looked into it, by this point, it is absolutely certain that there are UFOs. Now, bear in mind what that actually means. There are unidentified objects. But that doesn't necessarily mean they 100% are definitely an alien race or extraterrestrials or, or what non-human intelligence is, whatever you want to call it. There is not really any you know, specific evidence that they are aliens or they are you know, non-human intelligences or whatever it might be. Or is there? And that's kind of what we're going to be going into today. What is the extent of the UFO cover-up? How much does the government actually know, you know? Does the government know way more than the public does or just maybe a little bit more than the public? And this is what I've been trying to wrap my head around. Once you actually arrive at the the conclusion that UFOs are a thing, there's definitely UFOs in the skies. There has been probably for decades and decades, if not hundreds and even thousands of years, maybe even before that. But once you kind of come to that realisation, then you have to go down the path of thinking, well, how much does the government really know then about this? You know, it's quite clear if you've looked into the topic even a little bit, the government knows more than the public. So how much do they actually know? And I think we know for a fact now that departments within government intelligence have been looking at the UFO topic in depth for decades you know, that, that is not even an opinion thing. It's actually fact by this point for a lot of the reasons that I'll go into throughout the course of today's episode. As Graham Rendell said on my recent interview with him, uh, there have been military sightings dating back to World War Two when they were actually quite extensively reported all over Europe. And, you know, one thing that you should check out if you, if you don't already know about this is Graham... Uh, has actually released the book now uh, UFOs Before Roswell I, I bought a copy of it and it's got absolutely amazing artwork on it as well it's worth even buying it just for that to be honest but I've been reading the first little bit of it so far and it's absolutely fantastic it's exactly the kind of UFO reporting you know UFO investigating that I like it's properly researched everything is extremely thorough Graham really comes across in the book as, as wanting to get to the actual fact rather than just kind of you know 
presenting something that's entertaining can't recommend it enough it's a fantastic book and you should definitely go and buy it if you're interested in the topic uh, and also go and listen to the episode i did with graham because that was a really interesting discussion and we talked all about that but i'm not going to go into that for too much detail uh, for today but it's very clear from talking to graham and from reading the book and from looking into other things as well uh, around that kind of time frame that there were historic sightings dating back to you know the 40s you know all the way through the 1940s um, and and i previously kind of dismissed anything from the 1930s 40s and 50s and things because it just seems so long ago to me you know being a relatively young guy i guess um something that happened in the 1930s or 40s it just seems like distant history and the footage available is extremely grainy and and i'm all about data density which i always talk about on the podcast and it just didn't exist back then unfortunately because the technology that was available to record the incidents at the time was nowhere near as advanced as what we have now but recently i've been looking at it a little bit differently partly because many of the cases that were recorded back then yeah they may not have had high quality footage etc but the fact remains that there were very credible witnesses military witnesses who reported these objects fairly regularly all the way through the 1940s and they recorded them with some level of of kind of paranoia they were very keen to report things that happened because they were conscious that they may be nazi secret weapons and things like that and something that i never really considered until fairly recently is that back then they just simply didn't have the technology anywhere close to the drone technology that we have today so in some ways even though the footage is grainy and 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 not fantastic the witness testimony still stands because we're talking about highly trained highly credible multiple witnesses in many cases and the things that they were witnessing could not be explained by the technology that they had in those days these days you could say it's a drone you could say it's this and that you could say it's cgi but back then they just didn't have that there was no drones there was no cgi so but you still had the very credible witnesses so that's kind of changed my viewpoint on it partly from speaking to graham and and reading this book and and, um just just thinking of it slightly differently actually i think there's a lot to be learned from some of those cases and i think there's definitely going to be more investigating to do in that era and i've recently been listening to the the flying saucers are real uh, that was a, the, a really interesting book that, that actually covers a lot of cases from back in that era and uh, i'm going to be reading the rest of, of graham's book and i'll probably do an episode on the book to be honest because it's worth really getting into it in some more detail um but yeah that that's something that i'll be definitely keeping keeping looking at with a lot more interest than before and uh, the other thing is with the, the those old cases from back then is there's a lot less classification of documents and things so you can find a lot more detailed uh, records of it because it's the new technology then that they were trying not to let you know the rival countries and things find out about is now ancient technology so there's not as much worry for for things being you know redacted or things being classified and whatnot for that reason so um yeah it's just an area that's kind of opened up with a bit of a new uh, level of curiosity for me personally so there's going to be more updates on that 
as we go along. But if we talk about some specific cover-ups then, I mentioned earlier that the government know more than the public do. So how much? And when you when you're thinking of it along those lines there are some very specific cover-ups that we can reference as factual things that actually happened uh, you can talk about why they were covered up and what they were covering up and things but there is no question by this stage that there were cover-ups that have been put into place so the probably the most famous example of this is july 1947 roswell so obviously it's a it's a household name kind of thing really with with ufo cases but just to give a a little quick summary of it and again i'm probably going to do some more uh more depth on on these as well in future episodes but basically long story short after initially being announced by the roswell army airfield as a flying disc that had been recovered on a ranch near roswell the army quickly backtracked and the story kind of changed multiple times over the years and it was explained away as a as a uh, like a secret uh, surveillance balloon and various different things of that nature and, and whilst it is certain that they were covering up something nobody can be absolutely certain what exactly that was so the initial story of it being uh, some kind of weather balloon or something was actually admitted to have been a cover-up down the line but then they claimed that it was actually covering up a secret balloon project whereas actually we don't really know 100 percent if it was but essentially what's happened there is they've admitted that the initial story that was told was a cover-up but you know what was it they were actually covering up if you believe the government's official line it's that they were covering up a secret balloon project thing that high altitude balloons and things of that nature but it definitely seems a bit questionable that and if the 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 fact is what that actually reveals is the government are willing to cover things up and barefaced lie to the public and put together actual press releases and you know put people into certain places to say this and that and the other to mislead the public and if they're willing to do that to cover up a um a secret balloon surveillance balloon project they absolutely 100% would be willing to do that to cover up something as mind-blowing and you know world-changing as the recovery of you know an an off-world vehicle if that is what indeed happened you know if they're willing to cover up a secret balloon project and go to those lengths you can 100% believe that they would do that if they'd covered recovered anything even slightly possibly off-world or extraterrestrial or whatever you want to call it but the the roswell case has been having small details developing even up until fairly recently again this is something that happened in 1947 but even very recently over the last few years there's still been some interesting tidbits of information that have come out so in one of tom delonge's um leaked emails to john podesta the uh, general mccasland was in charge of the wright patterson air force base which apparently was the 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 place where the roswell wreckage was taken to to be analyzed and a direct quote here from the email from tom delonge to john podesta that was leaked quote when roswell crashed they shipped it 
to the laboratory at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, General McCasland was in charge of that exact laboratory up until a couple of years ago. He not only knows what I'm trying to achieve, he has helped, helped assemble my advisory team. He's a very important man, unquote. So this was sent from Tom DeLonge to Podesta in 2016. And that's obviously just before TTSA came out with the videos that they came out with, etc. And it was round about the time that Tom DeLonge was saying in interviews such as in, on the Joe Rogan show, that he was in contact with high-level government officials and I, for one, saw it and thought, this guy is talking absolute nonsense. What's he going on about? Talking about a rock star in a bit of a kind of jokey punk band that, that's supposedly in touch with government officials. What is he on about? And then, obviously, it turned out to be absolutely true. He was in contact with government officials. There were people ex-intelligence that were actually joining his team to try and push this topic forward and... Lo and behold, the emails that he was supposedly sending to high-up government officials turned out to be absolutely true. And uh, Russian hackers had all of these Podesta emails leaked and included in them was this one from, from Tom DeLonge to John Podesta as part of a, uh, you know, a continuing conversation about it. And yeah, I just thought that was an interesting bit to add on to it, which has really only come out in, in very recent years. And if we know that people at a high level within government are, are, are entertaining conversations about Roswell and about people who um, who are still active in the military that potentially know about what actually does exist there in this in this Air Force base and the laboratory there, it's it's an interesting development. And I know for a fact there's a lot of people currently who are actually in the process of researching. General McCasland and his background and I think there's a documentary in the works about him and we may well see a lot more development about that as well whether or not there'll be any any real new information in there I suppose we'll have to see so as well as the the 1947 cover-up which we now know was a real cover-up there was also a number of other government uh, programs government projects put into place to to actually look into to ufos or at least to appear to look into ufos to sort of reassure the public that uh, things are actually um you know everything's under control don't worry we know what we're doing etc so there was the project sign which was from january the 22nd 1948 and it ended in the same year december the 30th 1948 Project Grudge from February the 11th, 1949, ended in March 1952. And then Project Blue Book, which continued from March 1952 when Project Grudge ended, all the way up until December 1969. So that we're talking about, you know, a long time there, almost two decades of uh, investigations from Project Blue Book at which point the military stated that there was no benefit to studying the phenomenon, despite the fact that during this time they had 12,618 sorry, 12,618 reports and 701 of those remained unexplained. Now, that sounds like a relatively small percentage of the overall amount of reports there, but we're still talking about 700 unexplained sightings even if one or two of those 
were were something truly unbelievable. It's quite significant. So it was eventually determined that, quote, no UFO reported, investigated and evaluated by the Air Force has ever given any indication of any threat to our national security, unquote. And also, quote, no evidence indicating the sightings categorised as unidentified are extraterrestrial vehicles, unquote. So they're basically saying there that there is no threat to national security and there is no evidence indicating that any of the unidentified sightings are extraterrestrial vehicles. Now, one thing there that's worth noting is that the UAP task force report was quite different in tone, really, to that. I mean, what this this report there from the, the conclusions of... of project blue book they've said that the vast majority of the reports could be explained and 701 of them remained unexplained so essentially saying that you know the majority of these things are just like something and something and nothing and and that none of these you know give any indication of threats to national security and that there is no evidence that any of this is an extraterrestrial vehicle the the interesting thing there is the change of tone compared to what we've got now in the in the UAP task force report which specifically mentions the possibility of threats to national security and there's even some mention in there of of we need to understand we need to improve our scientific knowledge to be able to understand some of these phenomena and it, that gives me a bit of hope this is why i said when the UAP task force report came out that there are some significant points in there which is to me it marks kind of a departure from this age-old thing of of just saying that it's nothing it's no threat to us you know let's just not bother about it anymore that doesn't seem to be what they were trying to put across in the uap task force report it seemed to be look we need to take this seriously it could be a national security threat we we might have to even improve our sensor capabilities to be able to understand what this phenomenon actually is you know and that's got to give us some hope hasn't it but anyway going back to what i was talking about with those then we've seen a number of um reports which essentially all arrived in you know during that time the 40s 50s 60s all the way through to almost 1970 where they basically arrived at the same conclusion that there was no threat we need to just forget about it we're wasting our time on this whole thing it's it's a lot of nonsense but there's a few points there that, that sort of contradicts the conclusions found so first of all they don't rule out in those above quotes that i actually mentioned earlier that they actually could be extraterrestrial craft only that they don't have the evidence to say directly that they are extraterrestrial craft so it's possible that also that they're not actually extraterrestrial at all and they originate from perhaps this planet or another dimension or you know if they knew something of that nature even back then they could technically say that they are not extraterrestrial craft it's only you know in in fairly recent decades that we've started to accept the possibilities of things like interdimensional uh, objects or crafts or beings or whatever and 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 you know crypto terrestrial ultra terrestrial and things like that where it might not actually be literally nuts and bolts craft coming from another galaxy we might actually be talking about something way more complicated than that and that's something that people like lou elizondo 
have been mentioning quite a lot. And it could be, it's, I'm just saying it's possible, I'm not saying this is what I think, but it could possibly be that even back then, they were aware of, of the possibilities of things like that. And they were saying, look, they're not extraterrestrial, we, we don't think they are extraterrestrial, but they don't mention any of this other stuff. But back then, the public wouldn't have even been questioning that. Just worth thinking about there as well. And then there's also cases such as um, Mantle, where uh, a pilot actually died chasing a UFO. This guy Mantle was was a pilot, and his aircraft actually went after a UFO, tried to uh, tried to uh, fly to a very high altitude chasing after what had been witnessed as quite a large metallic looking object witnessed by multiple credible witnesses and this guy mantle went after it in a plane and and uh would, would died they found the wreckage of his plane and, and he, he passed away sadly and that was explained away as he was rising at a too high of an altitude going after this thing and um he ran out of oxygen because he went too high and that's why he blacked out and the plane crashed now that could be the case but there is actually no direct witnesses to what happened, so it could it could even be that you know his his aircraft was actually attacked by the UFO. We don't know, but it's still worth considering, even if the 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 kind of out there thought of the UFO actually attacking the guy's aircraft, that may not be the case, but it's still actually something that's quite concerning when you're talking about a military pilot who has gone after a you know a flying object which is a big metallic looking object that none of the, the witnesses that were nearby had any idea what it was. He's chased after it and actually died in pursuit of the thing. You know, whether or not the thing has actually caused that by attacking his aircraft, which is probably one of the, the less likely uh, explanations but even if that's not the case we're talking about objects that appear in the in the sky that military pilots don't know what they are and they go after them and end up dying as a result of chasing after this thing that in itself suggests to me that there's something there that 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 you know is worth investigating more and uh, and that in itself really is 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 a threat to our national security if if the military have seen these things and trying to go after them and in some cases getting into difficulties you know whether or not the object has directly caused that or or not still definitely something that's uh, that that warrants further investigation and many people have stated that these projects i mentioned earlier their main mission was to arrive at a pre-approved conclusion which was to calm the public and just say there's nothing to see here don't worry about it we're wasting our time investigating these things but then possibly more serious classified secret programs continue away from the public eye actually looking into it whilst the the public facing side of it was just saying yeah with nothing to worry about it's all good you know it's just weather phenomenon and you know coming up with explanations to appear to be in control of the situation whilst actually behind the scenes looking into things a lot more uh, th- seriously and the most recent cover-up would be the government claiming that ufos are not being investigated over the last decade or two and all along they were running the ATIP program which eventually was proven to be a real program admitted to by the pentagon after having the hand forced essentially by the launch of ttsa where insiders actually came forward with information and actual video evidence 
as a result of being frustrated by the lack of progress being made on the topic due to stigma and the lack of resources that they had and that alone proves that the government intelligence services have lied about this topic and they are actually actively investigating it with millions of dollars worth of funding but saying on the other hand in the public that oh no we're not we're not looking into it it's nothing don't worry about it and that alone is is pretty strong evidence in my opinion that they've been looking at this thing all along and they just what they tell the public is very separate from what's actually going on in these secret departments so a little aside point then before i continue with the the cover-up sides of things so since i've just mentioned about um TTSA coming out and um, the government kind of being forced, the, the Pentagon being forced to admit that, yeah, all right, we have been looking into this thing. Let's talk about Lou Elizondo and Eric Davis. So it has to be said, I really put a lot of faith in Lou Elizondo. Now, I may be wrong about it, but I just get an instinctive feeling that Lou is genuine and he's telling the truth. And his track record so far stands very convincingly. There hasn't really been anything that Lou has con contradicted himself on. There hasn't been any times when he said something and it turned out to be nonsense. And on top of that, his background working for ATIP and having worked at the government and the Pentagon is all 100% correct and has been confirmed multiple times by people in the know uh, on record. So with that said, if you go down the path of being on board with what Lou says, and I think all of that that I've just mentioned, and also something that you can't really put your finger on, which is just a gut feeling you get when you see somebody talk, I think that you know it's worth kind of putting some faith in what this guy says. And the thing is, is that Lou has actually mentioned a number of people that he vouches for very strongly and one of these people is eric davis so for that reason i'm inclined to hold what lou and eric say in quite high regard and i really think that any statements that they make are quite well considered very thoroughly thought out and worded very specifically and based on the track record you know, as well as the gut instincts and so on that I've mentioned, I think any statements that they do make are worth taking quite seriously. So, Eric Davis is, by the way, just for anybody who's not familiar with that name, he's an astrophysicist, very highly respected, who's worked for multiple special access programs to do with various things. He's, he's been an advisor for ATIP, worked with Lou Elizondo uh, behind the scenes and is a uh, very well respected in his in his field and actually it's worth mentioning one pretty significant thing in terms of uh, cover-ups and and things to do with crash retrievals is the wilson davis memo and um, but i'm not going to get into that here and I'm not really going to get too much into the weeds, as they say, um, regarding actual crash retrievals. I'm going to do a part two kind of thing of this episode, so which is actually going to delve in specifically to the Wilson Davis memo and also how that relates to crash retrievals and some significant crash retrieval 
cases uh, obviously roswell is the is the most well-known crash retrieval case uh, but i'm also going to delve into a few other lesser known ones as well and um, but it'll just take a little bit of time to put the research together to do that episode properly in the way that i do want to do it so and obviously the the wilson davis memo uh, it concerns eric davis he's the davis part of it uh, for anybody who's not aware of that already um but as i say i just thought i'd uh, i'd drop that little note in there because i want to make sure that people don't think i'm glossing over the wilson davis memo so with that said let's get on to the next point so where it gets really tricky for me is the the crash retrievals so have the government actually got debris from craft has the government got intact craft you know even if you wanted to go fully to the extremes of that scale you've got like the bob lazar story is it actually true i'm really still undecided about the bob lazar story to be honest i feel like i'm getting closer with the overall crash retrieval stuff but it's very difficult to get to any hard fact I've had um, a couple of, of guests on the podcast recently. Graham Rendor, as I mentioned earlier, very, very credible UFO researcher from the UK. Um, James Iandoli, engaging the phenomenon. And, and I've asked these guys, you know, do you think, what do you think the government's actually got? You know, what do you think the government really know? Do you think we have these materials? And, 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 the general consensus I got from those guys is we don't really know. We know for a fact the government have got a lot more information. We know for a fact the government know more than the public does. But how much more is really hard to pin down. So there are no actual legit photographs of craft that anybody can see. There's no definitive proof that the government definitely has crashed craft. And I'm sorry if that's disappointing, but that's where we're at at the moment. We have no actual evidence. All we have are accounts. So very compelling accounts in some cases, very detailed accounts in some cases, but they just remain people's accounts. Now, you know, Bob Lazar's story, for example, there's a lot of people who really all in on the Bob Lazar story, but it's a tough one because if you're really going for data, if you're going for actual facts of what happened, there's not really anything with it. Now, I'll be honest, I get the impression from Bob Lazar, my gut instinct tells me that he's telling at least some of the truth, but we've got no way to verify it. You know, whether or not you buy into the story or not, you have to take a leap of faith at some stage, listening to what Bob Lazar's talking about. There has to be a leap of faith involved where you go, do you know what? My gut instinct is that I trust this guy or my gut instinct is that I don't trust this guy. And what I'm trying to get to is beyond leaps of faith, you know, because if we really want to scientifically look at this thing and get to the bottom of actual facts, you have to have more than just a leap of faith. <clears throat> However, going back to what I was saying earlier about Lou, Lou Elizondo and Eric Davis, both of these guys have hinted very strongly that they believe the government is in possession of exotic materials. I think that's the way that they phrase it, exotic materials or um, I think something along those lines. I think one of the things, the key things that both of them point out and I think Eric Davis has said this very strongly as well in numerous interviews, is that they do not believe that there is a coordinated effort to break disclosure to the public. And I remember Eric Davis saying that in an interview. 
he thinks that anybody who says that is just trying to sell a book I think was his exact wording that was in if I remember rightly the interview that Stephen Greenstreet did with Eric Davis but the significant point there is that Lou Elizondo and Eric Davis are a bit different to something like Bob Lazar because Lou Elizondo's track record is impeccable he's never put a foot wrong this guy Everything that he said turned out to be legit and correct. And if he vouches for Eric Davis, and Eric Davis has also said the same, Lou Elizondo describes Eric Davis as being one of the most brilliant men on the planet and uh, a man who's incapable of lying and things like that. We're talking, you can't really get much higher of a, uh, you know, of a, of a reference than that. And both of these people have suggested that they have seen things that they can't admit to that are classified that very very strongly give them reason to believe that we have exotic materials now problem is we can't get any further than that at this stage like what do we have do we have fragments do we have a full craft do we have many full craft you know we 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 just can't get that information out of them at this point in time which is where it gets super frustrating because I really want to know. Like, <laughs> as you know, if you listen to this podcast, I really want to know. I don't want to believe somebody's story. I want to know for sure. But that is the most tantalizing bit of evidence that points towards the fact that the government definitely have something, whether it's a fragment, whether it's fully intact working craft or anywhere in between. No idea bodies whether we've got alien bodies is is going even further uh, and both Lou Elizondo and Eric Davis seem to hint that we've got at least exotic material now whatever that means who knows maybe we'll get more clarity on that but like I said there's a there's a still still an element of a leap of faith but it's different with somebody like Lou Elizondo somebody like Eric Davis these are people who we know for a fact 100% worked in the government ufo program essentially with with atip and osap and those kind of programs these guys are highly respected in the pentagon um, or at least by some you know some people in the pentagon and they're both strongly suggesting that 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 is the case now we know Lou Elizondo is not selling a book. We know Eric Davis, well, maybe Eric Davis is selling selling books and things and do, doing his doing his own thing, but it it just it just seems like a very strong indication that there are some kind of at least materials. Um, so that that for me is is very very interesting point that suggests that we do have something. The governments do have something. But that's where, it, like I said, it's where it gets frustrating. So what is the extent of these exotic materials that the government have? Uh, the way I see it, there's there's a couple of different scenarios. So first of all is the full Bob Lazar, let's jump in at the deep end. The government actually have intact craft tucked away in the departments that are so secret that the vast majority of people, even within the government, don't even know that that department exists obviously this is possible but what's the actual evidence that you can point somebody towards to say that this is the case unfortunately all we have at this moment in time are things that have been hinted about by certain people supposedly on the inside like bob lazar 
I guess you could say, you know, I believe Bob Lazar's story, but again, that is just something that's been told as a story by somebody who was supposedly on the inside, no photographic evidence or nothing that can be 100% confirmed. And obviously there are, there are, you know, certain things that Bob Lazar has, has said which have proven to be extremely interesting, like the Element 115, knowledge of Element 115 that he had before it was even acknowledged that it was even a thing that existed and there, there were a few other things as well like the hand scanner and things that, that can sense the bones the size of the bones in your hand before that technology existed um, so there are definitely some compelling elements to that story but at, at this point i do think that there probably is exotic materials but that's more based on things like luella zondo and eric davis and some of the other leaked documents that references you know these individuals and things like that rather than the bob lazar story there's just not enough to go on with the bob lazar story at this point and unfortunately there's not really that much other information that you can that you can say that i know of at this point in time to be any clearer about what exotic materials what extent of the exotic materials are we talking about biological entities fragments of craft full craft i'm just going to have to keep looking into it but at this point i would say that the some of the most significant evidence to suggest that there is at least some exotic materials are the hints that have been dropped by lou elizondo and eric davis some of the leaked documents and the, the leaked emails that suggest that there are departments that have these exotic materials. And by all accounts, a lot of it now is actually in the hands of private aerospace um, uh, contractors or private defence contractors like uh, BAE, Lockheed Martin and things like that. And again, for, for supposedly for uh, plot, you know, uh, plausible deniability so the government can say we don't have possession of craft because the government technically don't they are actually they're actually held by private entities at this point in time um but you know as i say we're just gonna have to see how that side of things all unfolds i, I do have to say one thing that, that i'm a bit confused by about that is you would think that SpaceX and Elon Musk would be all over that, whereas Elon Musk just, just doesn't seem to have much of an interest in the UFO thing. He just doesn't really seem to want to talk about it very much. He seems to kind of brush it off whenever it gets mentioned to him in podcasts and things. And that's something that's, some that's just cropped up as a bit of an aside point, really. And um, you've got to wonder why that is. Is that because the these you know private defense contractors say for example lockheed martin just to use them as the example if they have actually been given a contract many years ago to to hold these exotic materials study them and reverse engineer them and so on it could well be that only a very very few people within lockheed martin have access to that program and it's very heavily maintained and monitored by in you know government intelligence and that spacex just simply don't have the option to even know about it or look into it that may change as, as the years go on but they're not just going to flip-flop from one private company to another are they if they're going to let you in the know about this thing 
you've got to assume that they're going to stick with that and they're not just going to move companies because it just it's going to lead to too many people so maybe sorry it's going to lead to too many people knowing about this thing and then you know possibly when when a, a defense contractor loses the contract maybe there's more chance then that they would give some of the information away if the contract's passed to a competitor so perhaps it's purely just because you know say Lockheed Martin for example got this contract you know you know a certain amount of time ago and they've just kept that contract ever since um and perhaps it, it, it is because Elon Musk has no idea about any of this stuff but it, it just seemed it has kind of cropped up in my head that that it seems a bit odd you'd think if anybody was was wanting to get access to this stuff it'd be people like Elon Musk but maybe the option is just not there or maybe he has got access to it and that's why he say he's brushing it off because he doesn't want to talk about it because he knows that he can't who knows but that's something that I thought was worth throwing in there as well so on a bit of a separate point then even going back a few episodes of, of my podcast i was quite convinced of the fact that there was some kind of disclosure agenda being pushed by some departments within the government i'd even considered the possibility that ttsa were kind of covertly run by intelligence agencies or even the fact that lou elizondo may be part of an agenda by the government to gradually break the knowledge of some um some of the things that they have to the public but I'm now kind of going away from that line of thinking. Um, obviously, I reserve the right to go back to it and change my mind to whatever I want as more facts become available. But as I've said, I do put a lot of significance in the things that Lou Elizondo says and Eric Davis and really anybody that Lou Elizondo vouches for because of his track record, etc., as I mentioned. And Eric Davis in particular has said numerous times, very specifically in interviews, that he doesn't believe that there is any kind of agenda to, to bring about disclosure. And that is merely a conspiracy theory by ufologists to sell books and to sell tickets to conferences, etc. The fact is, at the end of the day, it's a much more exciting story to believe that the government have intact craft they can fly and do all of these kinds of things and have all this kind of technology and some of the the technologies we have in the world today have been leaked out from the research that the government have done on craft etc but what eric davis says and this is again somebody that i place a lot of confidence in the things that he says is that the government is just not that well organized and is extremely highly compartmentalized and he asserts that there is no specific agenda being pushed to break this information to the public now that's not to say that the government have been completely open and honest about everything that they have and that they're aware of because i think that that's absolutely not the case and the government definitely is covering up a lot of what they know i just don't think that the government know as much as what a lot of people like to think they do. I think the government is playing catch up on this issue, which is this is that's pretty much word for word what Graham Rendell said on 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 the episode that I did with him. And I think that this may be a case of there's a few people who know a lot more within the government and they've had perhaps access to exotic materials and things of that nature. But I just don't think that the government have got all the answers behind closed doors and they're communicating with extraterrestrials. They've got a full on craft and, you know, things like that. I think it's more a case of 
the secret departments within the government know a lot more than the public do but they're probably just as clueless as we are i think it goes back to that thing of if you showed an iphone to people 500 years ago they would have absolutely no idea what they were looking at and it wouldn't be a case of they could figure out how to operate it uh, or, or even switch it on because you know it was it's just such a different era of of technology you know it it, it could take it take a lot longer than 10 20 years to figure out to, how to even operate the thing because you think about it if you had an iphone back then 500 years ago they wouldn't even know that you had to charge it up they wouldn't need they wouldn't know what it was for they would have no idea and their technology would be so far behind that they would just be completely clueless and in fact i think that's actually one of the elements of the bob lazar story that i do find particularly convincing because like I was saying when I spoke to Graham Rendell recently he he's basically you know of that opinion too that you know the government just have no idea if there is exotic materials they're just so far behind that it's you know impossible to to actually get your head around what this thing even is what to do with it you know where where do you even begin and that's one of the things that Bob Lazara said in his story that I have found particularly compelling which is that the government just lock it away for another 10 years and then come back to it hoping that our technology has advanced um, enough i think what you've got to be careful of as well with this kind of thing is getting little pieces of the puzzle here and there and i think this is probably what tom delonge does as well you know i've heard a few other people talk about this and basically saying along the lines of what he's basically doing is adding up one and one and getting three the difficulty is we don't really know how much Tom DeLonge actually has learned, you know, from being in contact with all of these people within intelligence services and the emails back and forth with various people and so on. And, you know, he has to talk quite cryptically about the things that he has learned. And the thing to watch out for with with this topic is like i said you know getting one little bit of information another bit of information and then you kind of bridging the gap between those two pieces and you know potentially making things up just to make the story fit according to what you think because and it's quite possible that actually people even within the government end up doing that because things are so compartmentalized within these really secret departments within government they probably there's not that many people i don't think out there in the world that actually know the full story and again that's actually again depending on how much stock you put into bob lazar that's what bob lazar has actually said is the case as well whether you believe that or not i think that's a fairly realistic element of the story it is extremely compartmentalized within these kind of departments and the, the problem is is it's very difficult to actually get to the bottom of it you know within this topic which kind of leads me on to to my next point which is the sense of this information within the ufo topic everything that i've just said about you know lou and eric davis all of that stuff could actually be completely tainted by misinformation as well you've got to think about you know everything's extremely compartmentalized a lot of these people who are actually working within secret programs themselves don't even know the whole story and then you add into that an already very complicated situation you add into that misinformation and 
you know, the, the, the waters get even more murky. I mean, there's a possibility that any one of these ex-CIA intelligence people who are now in the in the public eye in the UFO topic and are, you know, highly respected voices within the topic, there's always a possibility that some of them, you know, any one of them, some of them could be disinformation agents. We, we know for an absolute fact that the government have specifically employed people whose job is to spread dodgy information to to muddy the waters to to murky up the whole situation so that it's difficult to actually figure out what's going on and when you consider what i was saying before how compartmentalized this whole thing is how difficult it is even for people who've actually got access to these secret programs i think personally again some people may disagree but i think even a lot of those people don't really know the whole story and then you add into that you know the possibility of, of dodgy information being thrown out there as a red herring makes it even more difficult and we know for a fact that the government have specifically done that in the past maybe it's to throw off russia china and things from from you know knowing the whole story maybe it's to throw off the public maybe it's for some other reason that we don't understand who knows but we also know that in the uk you know due to freedom of information requests and, and there's some cases of this in the states as well the government have actively placed disinfo agents within media outlets newspapers tv and specifically one i've mentioned on the podcast is the ira uh, during the times of the worst parts of the troubles with the the ira the government actually planted people within ira groups to influence certain things and to to plant people within media outlets to shape public perception a certain way and to think that that is not going on now is a bit naive and the question that that begs is how much of what we're reading about this topic is is actual information and how much of it is dodgy information get absolutely certain that some percentage of what we're reading is incorrect information and the question that that leaves you to ask is what is that percentage and I think it's extremely important to bear in mind that whatever percentage you, you consider that may be, you have to know that the thing is with this topic that's different is that the government almost certainly are throwing out some red herrings and some of what you consider to be the most compelling evidence or the most interesting stories about the topic could could very well be false and specifically thrown out as a red herring to, for, for people to follow to distract them from what's actually going on and we also have to bear in mind without turning paranoid about everything that we read being bad information or whatever that that probably is the case so with all of that said Let's try and wrap this up and come to some kind of conclusion, at least for the time being. So we've been talking there about historical programs ran by government intelligence agencies to gloss over the UFO topic and convince the public there's nothing to see here. The government repeating the same tactics of, of releasing you know, statements and press conferences and putting together little panels of people to basically say there's nothing going on when at the same time they are actively investigating it and putting millions of pounds into it. 
there's definitely something a little bit fishy there, isn't there? Why would you say that there's nothing, nothing going on, nothing to see here, repeatedly dismiss the concept of UFOs, but then at the same time you're ploughing millions of pounds behind the scenes, millions of dollars behind the scenes to look into this thing, putting some of the the best scientists and researchers and intelligence agents you're actually putting those people into roles to actively look into this thing but on the other hand saying that oh there's nothing going on no don't worry about it you know blah 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 and i'd also add to that the nature of the statements that are released by you know government officials intelligence officials or whatever the nature of the statements in themselves is almost kind of a, a hint that there actually is something going on because they're always so vague. They always seem to come back to, and there was a recent one in the UK that, that had this similar kind of wording to this as well. It always seems to come back to, you know, there is no threat to the national security, so, you know, nothing to worry about sort of thing. But that doesn't really make any sense because if there are things flying around that we don't know what they are, there is a threat to national security. Like obviously the UAP task force report basically hinted at the fact that there may be national security implications, but the UK is kind of stuck in the, the rhetoric of 20 years ago talking about, oh, there's no threat to national security, so we're not going to look into it. It seems like the UK, at least on the surface of it, is kind of carrying on on this path of oh just deny the whole thing and say that there's nothing to worry about whereas the US obviously because of the certain way that it's played out in in the US it's different to the UK the US seems to be going down a slightly different path of actually going yeah we better investigate this thing or more to the point we better admit that you know we are investigating this thing because the the, the public are catching on to it you know which is, I think, you know, much as it's disappointing that the UK are taking the tactic that they're taking, it's reassuring that the US is kind of breaking new ground, really, and, and actually starting to go towards a more open policy of communication with the public on this topic. So, like I say, we've heard there that the, the US government in particular has denied there's anything going on, whilst at the exact same time, actively looking into the thing and that's happened numerous times over the years and they've they've kind of thrown out red herring you know projects and, and panels of people to basically arrive at a predetermined conclusion which is yeah there's nothing going on which just seems to be completely at odds to what the actual reality of the situation is which is that they're looking into this thing very seriously and they're also aware that the Russians, the Chinese, a lot of other countries around the world are also looking into it. So there's like a, a kind of like an arms race going on behind the scenes, but at the same time, they're denying that there's anything happening. Very, very weird. And you would think that there must be something more to it than just purely, you know, actual sightings of, of objects in the sky. I, I would suggest that the level of secrecy that's involved suggests that there's actually a little bit more than just people seeing something out of a, out of an aircraft window or something like that. And the next episode, like I mentioned earlier, that I do on the factual side of things is going to be actually looking at a few specific cases of 
um, supposed crash retrievals and actually looking at cases where it has been reported by individuals that a craft has actually come down and the government have actually you know had access to that or analyzed it in some way or had some interaction with an actual crashed ufo and we'll see i'm going to dig right into this thing and we're going to see if there's actually anything real going on there have the government actually you know is there any proof should i say that the government has actually found any of these exotic materials but we also know for a fact that there's been individuals specifically tasked with spreading disinformation to distract from what's actually going on now all of this has been orchestrated by the actual intelligence agencies themselves and we've got people like richard doty who was who was openly admitted now that for years and years he was paid by the intelligence agencies to to put out bad information to throw you know ufo researchers off off the scent you know to, to put them off from finding out what's actually going on now in some cases that may be that the government were actually working on a secret aircraft at a particular base nothing to do with ufos uh, although i suppose that secret aircraft in development could actually be mistaken for ufos and i'm sure that has happened as well over over the years but there's no doubt been cases where the government have put out disinformation and and had specific employees whose job it was to put out bad information to distract people away from um an actual you know new aircraft or something along the lines of that some new technology that the government was developing that wasn't related to ufos or at least as far as we know and but there's also been other cases where these disinformation agents have actually given information about you know bad information misinformation about ufos and that has no doubt about it muddied the waters we can't really trust anything that richard doty says now because we know for a fact that he's been tasked with putting out bad information for all we know some of the information that he's been told thinking that he was receiving real information some of that could be bad information so it gets so confusing when you start looking at it from that point of view and i've i've heard uh, richard doty in interviews and things like that actually talking about you know crash retrievals and what level of technology the government actually has you know and he thinks he's feeding a line you know with some of the the bits of information that he's putting out but perhaps he's been fed a line you know it, it's so difficult to to get to the bottom of and it's 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 inevitable really that that sort of thing is going to happen but it is a real shame as well because it makes it so difficult to actually decipher what's true and what's not so that's another element to this whole thing when you're actually trying to understand the extent of the the ufo cover-up you have to deal with that as well that's a a, a factor you know a, a significant factor in in the whole thing you have to bear in mind that some information whatever percentage you you may think that that is some of the information is is you know nonsense information that's been thrown out specifically to muddy the waters but no matter where you look there are rumors of something further being known by certain secretive departments coming from individuals such as bob lazar 
and later seemingly backed up by accounts from intelligence insiders with security clearances. And again, Bob Lazar's story is one of the more controversial ones. There are people that won't even, you know, begin to sort of take that seriously, and they just see it as not not worthy worthy of your attention. Fair enough, I understand that that point of view. But even if you totally discredit Bob Lazar and you don't even consider what he said, there are numerous accounts from from real credible people, as I mentioned earlier. Highly credible individuals such as Lou Elizondo, Eric Davis, and they're pretty much saying that there is at least some materials in possession of the US government, and they're in a position to know. And and this is something that's been been hinted at very strongly by Lou Elizondo, and he doesn't shy away from it. He'll he'll openly say, and you know the people who Lou Elizondo vouches for, the people who Lou Elizondo places trust in respecting i have a tendency to 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 believe or at least go further to believe in what they're saying because lou elizondo's proved himself to be a, a very credible individual we've got no reason to doubt any of his credentials so if he he trusts and believes a certain individual and he has a track record of working with that individual such as eric davis personally that's that's enough for me to at least take it quite seriously I'm not saying I'm going to believe everything hook, line and sinker that somebody like that says, but it's certainly worthy of my attention, you know, rather than just some unknown source. Like, for example, Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar is just kind of a one on his own. You know, he doesn't, we don't know his entire backstory. We can't really, you know, it's, it's more difficult to, to take that on board as being real, real information that's being given whereas when you're talking about somebody like Luella Zondo and and all of the various people around Luella Zondo as well you know it's just much more to get you to get stuck into you know to really sort of get to the bottom of so there is definitely something to this like there is no question about that at this stage it is hard to say to what extent and I think the only way that I'm going to be able to find out more about that is to look into some specific cases, which is, as I said, what I'm going to be doing on the next factual episode. So we need to know what are the most credible UFO crash retrieval cases. So cases where an actual UFO has been has come down or uh, there's been found or whatever it might be, and the government have got involved and not only investigated it but in some cases taken away samples of material possibly even biological material and that's what we need to find out next and in that next episode that's where we're going people we're going to find out what the most significant cases are what's the actual evidence there is there any evidence there are we still just talking about people's accounts but there's enough information it's where there's smoke there's fire and there's a lot of smoke in this so we need to get to the bottom of it so I'll also be diving into some details on the Wilson Davis memo as well, which is actually concerns Eric Davis. He's the Davis part of it there. Um, and that's that's something that's uh, going to be uh, looked into a little bit more in the next episode as well. Um, so that's going to be an interesting one. I'm going to have to do a bit of research, so that'll be coming over the next couple of weeks. But I want to make sure that I get all my facts in, in line for that one because it's going to be specifically re- relating to actual real-life cases. So... I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode anyway. If you have, give us a shout on Twitter. So it's at UFO Thinker. Drop me a message on there. It's always great to hear from people. If you've got anything to add, or if you know of any really 
um, really um, data-dense cases relating to crash retrievals. I mean, data-dense is probably not the right way to put it because it's not really like we've got data as such, but I'm just trying to find the best evidence of crash retrievals, the, the best you know cases where something has actually happened that we can that we can say right that's pretty clear that that's a real thing and you know something that we can really hang our hat on as as a as a as a very reliable case and if anybody knows of any really good ones or even better any actual evidence beyond you know just people's accounts and things like that um let me know because i want to that's what i'm here to do at the end of the day i just want to find out what the hell's going on with this thing because what could be more fascinating than the possibility of another race of intelligence coming to visit the planet or maybe not even visit the planet maybe they're just kind of it's an accident they're on their way through and, and for whatever reason they've ended up here for a little while and something went wrong who knows what what that that's a whole topic for another podcast i suppose but anyway thanks for listening to this one it's, uh, it's been a fun one to do, and uh, till next time, stay curious, and take it easy, and look after yourselves. UFO Thinker Podcast.